Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. What's up, podcast listeners? Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Pretty stoked to share with you our beers with bro. And what it was during COVID and all the quarantine time, we got on YouTube, did some YouTube lives with some family and friends, took some questions from the audience. So it's a bunch of Q&A, but all in all, just a fun time hanging out and talking elk hunting, talking the outdoors, anything and everything. So we got about six episodes for you coming at you and uh, just really excited to share these with you. Want to thank again Onyx Hunt for bringing this podcast to you. If you guys have not yet downloaded that app, go ahead and do so. Use promo code BRO at checkout, save yourself 20%, and get ready to navigate in the backcountry with your phone, GPS in hand. Pretty awesome system, and uh, highly encourage you to go check it out if you haven't. So with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy. You sure? Are you sure we're live, Troy? Yeah, we're live. He says yes. That come out yeah. in the comments. Oh, we are live. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, everybody, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the live YouTube chat. We got Casey on from Hutchin today. Uh, Should be a pretty good Zoom conversation. Pretty good or amazing. Yeah. First off, everybody, Steve, it's a big secret. What are you drinking? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Case, what do you got? Um, I'm going light. I'm just drinking some uh, water with a little Mountain Ops in it. Trent, Case, what are you drinking? Case, Tiger's Case, blood? Case, what do you got? Yeah. <laughs> well, right over there. Free Joe's got it. No. No, I had ice water last time. Today, I actually have a real, real drink. It's uh, probably my drink of choice if I had to go there. But, I guess. Uh, I have been. We are okay. live. I just I looked up on YouTube. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> good. good. Just had to verify. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> uh, no, I got a little uh, black velvet with uh, diet root beer. It's uh, it's a keto drink, really. So nice. Diet root beer. Yeah. Look it up. Look it up. It used to be Coke Zero. <laughs> It used to be Coke Zero for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I, I'm off the Coke Zero. So that's that, that's bad for you. I learned. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, just let's clarify a few things. Yeah, please. The chat are these. So Jeffrey Twist just wrote, "Steve brought to you by Bud Light." So, can <laughs> we see all the comments that are going to come through on YouTube? No, we're clarifying on the okay. road. Apparently, we just. We're going to see what Troy throws us for questions and stuff like that. (laughs) All right. I'm going to send out this Instagram now that we're finally live. Okay. Yeah. Let's just not hold up the whole thing. I thought you might've done that a little bit before, but I was waiting for us to go live. You know, I didn't want to confuse the audience. (laughs) Steve, how was your day, buddy? Good. Like always every day. Just plumbing the heck out of things. Yep. Copy. No day in paradise. Yeah. So case, I want to just talk about just to kind of start this thing off to just get people warmed up. So everybody that's joined us already, throw out some comments. Um, 
whatever questions that you have for us, for Casey, for for whatever. And uh, let's get this thing rolling. But uh, let's start it out with um, how's things going over there in the Pocatello part of the world as far as for the uh, COVID-19? It's, it's been very interesting, right? So like Idaho, I think every state's different. And uh, we definitely have, every state has different rules or they're not even rules. What would you call them? Like suggestions? Because there can't be laws, right? It's well, not a law. That's a whole nother thing, but yeah, yeah. I, I would, yeah, I would say. Agreed. So we've been told stay at home, right? Stay at home, you know, don't essential. Like if you have to work, if your job is essential, you can go and do that. Um, if you have to go to the grocery store, or the gas station, or, you know, obviously the hospital or something like that, you're, you can do that. But for the most part, stay at home, you know, kids aren't in school. Kids are doing all their schoolwork on the computers now. And, uh, but we are, uh, they did definitely tell us that, you know, getting outside is good. Like go outside, hike, fish. They're recommending fishing, which is a little different than Oregon and in Washington, right. but social distance yourself. So fishing game came out with this big post that like fishing still open, go out and fish, just social distance yourself. And, uh, so that's kind of what we've been doing, but my wife's kind of been like locked down, like you know, which has been good, like, bless her heart. Like, I yeah. keep thinking if it wasn't for her, how would I approach this? And I'd probably like, not do the right things. But we have been locked down for 25. I think that this today's 25. And I've been to the grocery store three times now and the gas station like three or four times. And then finally, yesterday, I took my boys, and we went and did a little fishing. And then today, uh, me and Logan, my little brother went and did a little shooting video. But cool. for the most part, like we've been here, we've been hanging out together, uh, been in the backyard doing a lot of trampoline jumping, <laughs> yeah, uh, shooting the bows in the backyard, and uh, just enjoying each other's company more than anything. It is a little weird. It's very weird what we're like, you know, what's required out of us and what's going on. But it's been nice. You know, a lot of people are complaining about it, and I get it. Like, if we shut the, you know, small businesses down, how are we going to come out of this? Like, what's the economy going to look like? And that scares me. But for the most part, we've just been doing what they, they, they've advised and to stay home. Um, but it's been nice. A lot of people are complaining about it, but it's been nice just being with the kids, hanging out with them all day. Uh, some days are better than the others, you know, 24 oh. days at home. Uh, yeah. No matter how much you love your kids and your wife, it gets a little, a little frustrating or gets a little much. Sure. Because sure. you're in this confined space for, you know, 24 hours a day. I was just telling Trent this before we went live, like, tomorrow is going to be the exact same as today. I'm going to wake up and go, what, what's the world doing today? You know? So it's no. been good. Um, you know, I I've, I've gotten cabin fever. The kids are getting cabin fever. My wife's getting cabin fever, but uh, we're just trying to do our part, I guess, for the most part. Yeah, no. And that's, I think that's the same way too. Um, our family's taking it. We're, we're going to the next level with it too, as far as like, I, my wife goes to the store and gets groceries and stuff like that. And other than that, um, yeah, we don't, we haven't done anything. I mean, and it's yeah. always, it's just been at home and it's yeah. And there's, and there's trials, there's trials, you know, with that too, as far as you just mentioned, you know, you can only be around when you're, when you're used to your norm, right. You're used to your normal schedule or you're used to your normal going out and doing something or eating out like once a week. That's your, that's your, 
fun time, right? That's your, you look forward to that. And now it's kind of taken, not taken away from you, but you're just doing the smart thing and, and staying secluded a little bit. It's, it's really a change. It's, it's a definite change. And, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. But my, my biggest fear is, is like you were saying, like economically, these restaurants and stuff like that, that don't have, I mean, they don't have anything now and they don't have people coming in. They don't, it, it's tough. Just, I mean, Myrtle Point, big city over here where I live. Um, <laughs> Real big city. <laughs> it's a big city. And it's just like, there's, there's, you know, the regular, my regular stomping grounds, my watering hole that I go to and they, they do takeouts, you know, so you have to go up to the door and you have to ring in your order and they come out and bring it to you. It's the weirdest thing in the world. I never even thought like in my lifetime I'd ever see that. So yeah, like yeah. my favorite, my favorite Mexican restaurant in town, bless their hearts. They've stayed open, but, um, and I've never went and sat down and ate there. I've always just went in ordered and then went and sat in my truck and waited for 15 minutes and they, and then I go back in and bring it out. But now, um, they're only open a couple days a week, but you go there, the front's like shut down. They have this window thing that you have to order through and then you have to go sit in your truck and they bring it out to you. Um, but like there, you know, I don't know how many people are doing there. There's a few people doing it when I went there the other night, but like when I used to go there, like the dining would be jam packed with people sitting down eating. And now they don't have that. Crazy. They're losing out and probably like 70% of their business. Crazy. And how long can any business like suffer through yeah. that? Well, especially the small businesses, they're the ones that are going to take a huge hit over this. Huge hit, huge hit. And my, like Trevor, I mean, obviously we're waiting for him to join. Hopefully he joins at some point. He's on the mountain today, guys. He's out uh, with his family. And um, anyway, he said, he's hoping he can find some service to join us. But, um, but yeah, it's just, they say he can't practice till June 15th. 15th? That's a long time. That's a long time. Long time. So, That's what scares me more than anybody. Like, to be honest, like our business, the hush business really hasn't took a hit yet. Um, you know, honestly, our views are up right now because that's what happens when, when people get shut down from doing their normal day things, they have a lot of time to watch YouTube videos, which I'm sure you've experienced that. Um, luckily for whatever reason, people are still buying our merchandise, but like people like Trevor that run, you know, multiple dental practices that have been ordered by the state to shut down. Yeah unless it's emergency, you know, I actually just got a call from my dentist today and, and I'm supposed to do this crown on my tooth and put to implant a tooth in my head that I've lost um, like next week. And I was like, man, I just feel weird about it. Like coming in there, I don't want to put you guys at risk. So let's, you know, let's push it off. But literally like how much business has Trevor lost? Probably 90%. Well, that dentist that you just denied, he probably really needed you to come in. Yeah. <laughs> I felt but, bad, but at nice the same work, time, nice I, work. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> That's really backfired. Yeah. I'm actually coming to see Trevor. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're doing I mean, good. Trevor's yeah. probably like 100% right now. I mean, there's nothing he can do. He, yeah, like emergency stuff. And stuff right? emergency stuff. Yeah, emergency stuff. But the problem is with that whole deal, and we're going to get some questions, guys. We see a bunch of questions coming in. We're going to get there here in just a second. But um, like emergency stuff he can do, but they also ordered him to give up a lot of his PPE, personal yeah. equipment. So he's like, okay, so now I have all these, you know, I, what, where do I go with this? You know, when I do get back to work, I have to keep some stuff for emergency. So I think a lot of that's kind of in limbo as well. So it's, it's, it's a little different to you. 
It's crazy time. Crazy times. Crazy times. Leaving, crazy sure, times. Man. Let's get on. Let's get on some questions here. Questions? Um, Zeb Shalas. Yep. Um, close oh, in the ballpark. So, <laughs> so what's y'all's thoughts on this year? I'm assuming, yeah, on hunting this year. Um, man. Actually, we were just texting a little bit ago about this. Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. Um, you know, as of today, Oregon is no longer allowing any non-resident hunters into the state coming Friday at midnight. Yeah. Shut so how are they rate? How are they going to regulate that? Like with with sales of tags or? I would. I, well, I I mean, I, it's going to be, you know. So say there's a non-resident that has a spring bear tag. I mean, I don't know if they've already got the tag. How you're going to? I mean, I, I guess unless if they run into a law enforcement officer, that would really be the only way. But beyond that, yeah, I mean, tag sales and stuff, they won't be able to purchase anything. So if this doesn't start to change, we were talking earlier. What's that going to do? across the board in all the other states is every state going to start shutting down i mean that's why idaho did that because you know yeah. the, the problem washington's dealing with right now that's the big thing because of all the cases up there all the states bordering that they're wanting to shut it down because they don't want all the non-residents coming in you know to uh, other states to be able to hunt or fish which i mean it's a bummer but i get it you know at the same point because they do have a lot of cases up there and until it gets more under control. Well, that's what I keep wondering. Like I, I keep, like I said before, like every state's different. Every state has different protocols and suggestions and like Washington is like locked down, right? Like yeah. they've closed down boat ramps. Um, they've the closed down, they yeah, closed they down the, everything. the actual bear season, the actual Turkey season. Yeah. I know what Idaho did was um, they quit, selling non-resident tags so if you're a non-resident you can't buy a turkey tag you can't buy a bear tag and so i'm assuming which i haven't read into it thoroughly but if you had already purchased your bear tag and your turkey tag you're welcome to come hunt those seasons but um i keep thinking like i hear stuff like what you're talking about steve is it gonna come to a point where there's like barricades or like stops like right. at borders that like you're trying to go into oregon because you might have already like bought a bear tag and they're going to say, sorry, you're non-resident because this comes down to like Brian drew a really good bear tag on Mount Emily yeah. this year. Yeah. And so that yeah. starts the 15th of this month. And we're just kind of playing it by ear. Like, are we going to be able to go over there? And I don't think yet Oregon has said no non-residents because he's had the tag for what, two months now? When did the bear draws come out? Month, uh, two months ago? Uh, about a month. Yeah. Just yeah. over a month yeah. ago. Is it going to come to a point where there's actually stops? Like when you try to go to California and they stop you to make sure you don't have any fruit in your truck. Is that what's going to happen? Like you're a non-resident, like, sorry, go home. It's hard to say. And, and like coming from, coming from where we're coming from, in my opinion, and I think you guys would agree with me, like going bear hunting with your family or something, whoever else has been social distancing would be like the best best thing of social distancing right i mean that oh, yeah you're out in the woods so i mean it's a very i think it's a very kind of a man i don't know it's a really really difficult situation to kind of adhere by but well, my, my thing is on the hunting side of it and even the fishing side if if everybody uses a little common sense you're out in the outdoors, you're social distancing yourself, you're maybe with a friend or two people that, you know, they say, oh, you don't know if you have it, but you, you're showing no symptoms. 
using common sense, you should be able to travel. It's no different than going to the store in your local town. It's no different than getting gas in your local town. And you should be able to go out and social distance yourself and be able to enjoy yourself somewhat a little bit. I mean, that's, no, I would, I would agree, that's but how I feel about it. playing devil's advocate, like you said, you're going to the gas station, you're going to, like I was talking to Ben, you know, Ben, both yep. uh, local yeah. um, chiropractor, chiropractor here. And, you know, he was just like, they still say that I'm, you know, I can, I can practice, but Ben was saying his whole thing was like, what if someone gets it from my office somehow? What's the repercussions on that? What does that come back? And, and then pretty soon I'm in a lawsuit because someone, you know, someone got the coronavirus from, and they tracked it back to my office. And it's, it's, I mean, it's that double-edged sword, right? Yeah. I haven't even I thought about that. We'll yeah. see a lot of people, a lot of businesses, they, that are considered essential. I think some of them, they're scared of, lawsuits there's 100%. afraid really? if somebody does get it if they're oh gonna try dude to i think out of this i think i honestly think out of this that's what you're gonna see next i see yep. like attorneys just just going watch wait for what's mm -hmm. happening next because if you can track stuff back to where maybe possibly the governor said okay this wasn't supposed to happen here it's gonna be a real real humdinger Damn, it's so crazy. I haven't even thought about lawsuits. Like, has anybody no. ever sued anybody for getting a cold or getting the flu or getting for something that they said they weren't pox? supposed to do? That's yeah, that's crazy. It seems like to me, totally different deal. That's where we're thinking outside the sue. box around here, case. People can sue for just about anything nowadays. It seems like. Let's get oh, yeah. to some questions, guys. Let's 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 yeah. get let's go from the negative town and let's go to positive. positive. Let's go to positive ten. Uh, Zachary, why am I reading these? Do you want me to read words for you, Trent? You're better. The, the, to, what would you me. recommend for a first-time elk hunt as someone from northern Minnesota, bow, muzzleloader, or rifle, or where? Wow. Case, go ahead. Oh, man, that's an open-ended question. I would recommend doing some research. Um, there's a lot of great options out there for research but i can tell you from my experiences and uh i tell a lot of people this and maybe i shouldn't but colorado is a very good uh state with a lot of opportunity it's an opportunity state right sure. so you can pick up archery tags you can pick up rifle tags over the counter for the majority of the state and colorado out of any state in in the world really has the most elk there's estimated over like 470,000 elk in Colorado. So there's a lot of elk there and there's a lot of opportunity. Um, and that's for, I don't know about muzzleloader. I'm, I'm assuming muzzleloader is the same, but I know archery and rifle tags, you can pick them up. We, we always typically draw deer tags over there for third season, which is in, in like first of October. And we can always buy an over-the-counter elk rifle tag over there. And we always see elk. So there's a lot of opportunity there. And Idaho is another one. Um, Idaho is a very opportunistic state, especially if you're an archery hunter. I would say 70% of the state is um, you can pick up an archery elk tag over the counter. And that gives you, Idaho's great because they have such lengthy seasons. You can hunt from August 30th till September 30th in 70% of the state with just an over-the-counter tag. So that's pretty awesome. If you're looking for opportunity, um, I would say look into Colorado and Idaho and uh just do some research. There's a lot of great things online that you can research, but uh, do some research on certain areas, but just go do it. Like go figure it out. Like if you watched our videos or, and especially born and raised, um, if you watch born and raised videos, they give you a lot of, of great tactics and tips. 
Um, I think, but, I think just jumping in, I'm sorry to interrupt case, but I, I get a lot of emails on this kind of certain same topic. And I just, what I would say to everybody out there is research is half of the hunt. Your hunt starts when you go, I want to go elk hunting. It doesn't start when I'm actually at the trailhead of where I want to hike it. No, it starts when I want to go elk hunting. And then you go from there to the research and you go to your Onyx maps, you go to your go hunt, you go to whatever. Okay. I want to research this and I want to, I want to break this down of where I want to go, what tag I want to get, what unit I want to draw. I mean, that's part of the hunt. That is all part of your season of hunting. And um, anyway, a lot of people are just like, well, where do I go? What's the best unit? And what should I do? Well, the research, that's, that's, that's half of the fun of it. So anyway, I, I would recommend anybody just dive in. Yeah. Dive in there. I mean, back <laughs> uh, 10 years ago, 12, and eh, let's go, let's go 12 years ago. You didn't have the information you had to go and you had to scout and you had to do all this stuff. Now you have so much information via the internet, via all these different apps and all these different things. That it's just like, it's right at your fingertips you can yeah, actually that's go, whole thing you can go pre-scout the whole thing of your whole hunt before even stepping foot on the ground at your own house and anyway that that to me is just like guys we have so much so many resources now go just go do it yeah go technology it. is has been you know it's changed changed the world for whatever you, you're wanting to do like like you were saying 10 12 years ago you had some you had some things you could do, but you would literally have to call, like if you drew a tag in Colorado, you'd have to call the game and fish and order a map from them of a certain area. You know, maybe a buddy gave you a tip on a certain area and you'd call and you'd order this map that came to you. And it was this big. And you start looking at some access points and you know, like what you thought looked good, but now it's all digital. You can do it all from your fingertips, you know, right on your screen. You can go to Google earth, you know, Onyx is probably one of the best tools out there. It probably is the best tool out there digitally would, that you can look at access. Access is probably the number one thing I look at is mm -hmm. it might have, you know, 80% of public lands, but how can you access those public lands? Are they all landlocked or part of them landlocked or is it accessible, you know, to get in there? So there's a lot of tools out there to help you guys, but research, like Trent said, is, is half of, half of the battle. When you get, you know, boots on the ground, finally, that's where the other half comes in. You got to work hard. You got to be, be willing to, to go and uh, move around. But um, research is definitely half the battle. All right, guys. Nice job, Kate. Hey, we got a question for Case right here. Shredded Times Outdoors. Question for Casey. Actually, actually read that. I know those guys. Yeah. Do you? Well, they want to talk to you. What are some good tips on going on growing your YouTube channel when you aren't well known? Oh man, there's, um, there's a lot of things there. I always say there's no like secrets to it because we've always been open, open books. And what I can tell you is, um, figure out something. Number one is like, figure out why you want to do YouTube. Like why, why do you want to grow YouTube channels? If it's to make money or become famous, like you're probably not going to hit those things because it's always going to be a drag because it takes a long time. It really does. It's like anything else that you become successful at is it's a lot of hard work. It's not giving up. It's, you know, keeping your head down on your own path, but figure out why you want to do that. If it's because that you're passionate about sharing the outdoors with other people, or if you're passionate about getting new people involved, like figure out why, what's your why. And then 
moving on from that, it's um, consistent content. You know, you can't let a, a channel just marinate for weeks on end without having content. And I always tell people like, figure out once you have this channel built, figure out how much content you can actually release. If it, if you're working full time as a construction worker or whatever you might do, figure out how much effort you can put into this. If it's one video a week, if it's two videos a week, figure that out and stick to it, but be consistent. And number one is don't give up. Like I said, it's, it's like anything in life. It's like becoming a dentist or becoming a professional basketball player. You have to work hard. You can't give up. Nothing's easy. Like nothing that's worth it is easy. So you just have to stay the route, stay consistent and continue to work hard. You have to be a hustler. You have to be willing to, you know, put up a lot of content, put up a lot of social media posts and stuff like that to grow your, your brand and, and grow that in, into the people's eyes. So those things are what helped us. Um, Trent, what, what are some of the things you would say? Uh, it's crazy that that question is asked, honestly, because the guy that uh, it got me or us as a group to do this is sitting down there in the bottom corner of this Zoom, which is which is UK. So, okay. so just I'm actually in the top right. <laughs> cats out of the bag. Cats out of the bag. But okay, no. so tell me this, Trent. We had this very, like, in my eyes, it was very historic, like, conversation yeah it was um on our first steelhead trip we ever did it was really the go first time a, i'm gonna go take a picture of that rock that we sat on at some point and send it to you in a frame i would i would i have a picture of you and trevor man like i would love to frame it anyway we were on our first we don't need trevor in it. still just me and you <laughs> really like our first steelhead trip yeah. we were at the house we rented we'd fish all day we came back we were fishing some guys were fishing the home waters and uh, you guys brought that question up. You and Trevor brought that question up. Like, is this something we can really do? Because at the time, you guys were doing DVDs mainly. Correct. Yeah. You DVDs. guys had been very successful for years doing that. Well, but the thing about it was we, re I mean, yes, we reached uh, thousands of people, right? Or hundreds and thousands, you know, but we did not reach the masses of, you know, what we were trying to explain is like, you know, uh, our whole, our whole thing is, you know, to, to educate, inspire and entertain people. And um, anyway, we didn't get that message out there to the people that we could. And, and man, that day, and I think this has been spoken a lot of times before, but yeah, it was pretty amazing. And, I, and my biggest question to you was, is, can this be lucrative? Can we do this? You know, and it was a lot of it. And honestly, back to the question of, of, you know, shredded times outdoors, it's scary, man. It is a little bit scary. Like I, as, as Casey did as well, you know, I gave up my full-time job. I gave up, you know, and I jumped in both feet and um, anyway, and I'd be lying if it, I didn't tell you it was up and down and up and down and, and it negotiated its own path the whole way. It's, it's been a crazy journey, but you so know what? From that conversation that we had, me, you, and Trevor sitting on the rock, like yeah. what I just said, like what my tips were, were they very, was anything different than what I told you guys that night? Uh, no. It's no. the same, it's the same recipe, same, right? The recipe works, but at the same time, and I will emphasize on what you said is like, people think that, oh yeah, you just have this huge channel. You just throw up these videos. You guys get to hunt and fish for a living. No it's hard work and that's just to emphasize on what you said it is consistent posting consistent work consistent you know and don't get me wrong it's a labor of love as it is for you as well but it is still it's it's a it, it's a lot 
Well, it's a full time, like, you know, like you go to these um, expos or wherever and people introduce themselves and, and uh, you're super, we're always super grateful to talk to the people that are watching our videos, but they're like, man, you're just like living my dream. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. Like if you were to take, I think you take any of the Hush crew or any of the Born and Raised crew back until we were like 12 or 14 and said, all right, man, like, what do you want to do when you're like, what are you going to do when you're older? You know, a lot of guys be like, oh, I want to put be a professional basketball player or a snowboarder or whatever it might be. Like, I think at one point in our, all of our lives, sure. we'd said, I would love to make hunting and fishing videos because I'm very passionate about that. Right. So, at, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are living the dream. Like, without a doubt, we're living the dream, but it's a 24 7 job. Yeah. The thing with the internet is it doesn't shut off. You don't clock in or clock out. We put up content or put up posts. And, you know, you go to bed at night, you're knowing that new content's out there and maybe someone's going to hate it and have some bad criticism for you. And it's always out there. It's always rolling. Whoops. Sorry. Yeah. Getting a little, getting a little out of hand with my hand. But That's anyway, like it's always, it's a, it's a full-time job. I'm thinking about this job as much as I've ever thought about any job I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And you're working at it as much as you've ever worked at, you know, I used to work at a still mill and we'd work 12, 12 hour days. And so one week I'd work 60 hours next week, I'd work 48 hours. It was a lot of hard work. I was gone from the family a lot, but I can tell you like this, what I do now is very, I, I am more involved now with what I'm doing than I ever was with any other job I've ever had in my life. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I'd agree. And it, and it takes your whole family too. I mean, it oh, does, yeah. it's not just you, your whole family is, is in the whole deal. So without a doubt. All right, let's, let's turn and burn, turn and burn. <laughs> Uh, I don't Steve, have Corona. I'm just coughing a little bit. Sorry. You have Corona guaranteed. I've been checked. <laughs> um, you got the next one. You ready for this? Yeah, I guess. Um, all right. As an Idaho elk hunter with big hills and open ground and glass, open ground to glass, what's a few pointers or things to take into account when looking to hunt Roosevelt elk in Oregon? From Throw your Idaho, glass away. Yeah, you don't need the binoculars anymore, really, at all. Um, over here, for us, it's what helped us be more successful was covering a lot of ground with a lot of calling, because with the dense vegeta vegetation, you don't hear because we do have clear cuts, but there's some areas where there is no clear cuts. It's a lot of yeah. timber, a lot of you know that second growth stuff, and over here, it's it's covering a lot of ground and a lot of low vocalization, a lot of calling is involved in, and you've got to hit every little nook and cranny because in other States we've hunted, you can hear bulls across a Canyon thousand, you know, 800 yards away here. You might not hear a bull at 300 yards until yeah. you get just around the right side of the Ridge because how thick our vegetation, it muffles their bugle so much. I mean, so that's a big difference that I've noticed us hunting in some open country as opposed to here, yes, the, the their vocalization does not carry here like it does in Eastern Oregon or you know a lot of that more open country. So, okay, so I'll give you. I, I'm I'm just going to give you two sentences, three sentences on this. We got a ton to get through, so go. Okay, so you've been here. You're a you're a huge Roosevelt hunter. Uh, you you've pretty much done it all. Uh. Just, I'm just a trigger man when I Roosevelt hunt. You guys put me in the right position. A couple go. sentences. What Steve said is 100% correct. You're trying to cover every nook and cranny. So if you're coming from Idaho and you're like what we do in Idaho, I'm from Idaho, is you try to cover every inch 
you can with your glass. You try to glass everything you can, get different angles, glass canyons. But what Steve said was 100% correct. You try to cover as much country as you can, but you're using not your glass, but you're using your 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 calls. And that's the truth because the first time I hunted over there, we heard a bull bugle and I'm like, dude, he's like, I don't know, like a mile away. And they're like, no, he's 300 yards. I'm like, dude, I've heard elk bugle a mile away that he's far. And they're like, it's crazy when you get into Oregon and get into those rainforests and that dense forest, how much that sound is muffled by how many you know, plant and growth and trees there are. And it's the truth. But what Steve said is you cover every inch you can using your calls. That was like 100%. four sentences. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is pretty cool. Um, Jeff Boston, Casey, after watching your daughter take down that massive bull giant with the six, five, with the six, five Creedmoor, what is your thoughts on the cartridge? We've had a ton of questions on this. Let's just cover questions. Um, honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about the cartridge. Um, my daughter got that gun two years ago, whether we sent us a, a, a six and a half Creedmoor for her in the Camilla, which is made for women and small children. I didn't know a whole lot about the cartridge. It's obvious, like, obviously like the hot cartridge right now, like, you know, people like there's memes out there, like making fun. It's like the cool cartridge or whatever, you know, the cool kids are shooting it. That gun is amazing. Like I shoot it myself. My daughter shoots it. Uh, I question. I was when she drew this tag. I knew what the tag was. I knew there were some giant bulls in there, and I was trying to convince my daughter, who's 15 and not real big. She's real petite. I was like, "You need to shoot my." I wanted her to shoot my 3378, which she was like, "No," which is a big that's gun. A, that's a big gun. <laughs> I wanted her to shoot my 300 Weatherby, which she was like, "No." And no. so I was like, really like, man, like, she and she'd always shot the six and a half really well. The gun fit her really well. There's very little recoil. And so I texted the marketing manager, Kevin at Weatherby. And I said, dude, what's your thoughts and opinions on the six and a half Creedmoor for elk? And he's like, honestly, I know guys that kill elk every year with it out to four to 500 yards. Keep your distances short out to like three to 400 yards. And it's all about shot placement. And that's the whole thing. Like I could have her shoot the 3378, which she's not going to shoot as well because she's scared of it. Or I could have her shoot the six and a half, which I know she shoots it very well, very consistent with it. And so that's why I went with that. And allowed her to shoot that because I knew she would hit her mark because she loves that gun. She's very comfortable with that gun. The cartridge, in my opinion, is a great cartridge for elk, for deer, for anything. It, it will do the job. It reminds me of the 308, to be honest. It's not a real fast shooting gun, but it's a very accurate cartridge. It's and super accurate. If you look at the kinetic energy and you look at the ballistics of that gun, I shot it this last year uh, in the SIG Cross. I shot the it was six five creedmoor yes it, it that bull took a bunch of hits it didn't go more than 10 yards but at the same time it, if you look ballistically and i don't want to get into all this because we can i mean we can go for hours on this but ballistically and with 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 everything involved it's a, it's amazing round it's an amazing round i would recommend this i don't know what bolts you were shooting but uh what kevin from weatherby told me he said i would highly recommend going out and getting the Hornady 142 ELDXs. That's a shot. Which is, and we went and got it, and the ballistics on that bullet is a little better than the most for the, the six and a half Creedmoor, but um, that's what she shot. She killed a bullet 300 yards, uh, and he died within seconds. Dead. 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 All right. Moving forward. Um, what is your preferred caliber? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's keep moving as far as. 300 win mag or 7mm Remington mag over your current setup. 
I don't is know. Is that what you're shooting in your SIG is a six and a half Creedmoor? I was on that elk hunt. I shot a six and a half Creedmoor. Me and uh, me and Dirk both killed bulls with it. But um, but now we're shooting right now for bear hunting. We are packing a actually a 308. So it's a little bit different caliber. I shot it the other day. It was awesome. Uh, it was my very first gun I ever owned was a 308. Dude. So my heart, I have a big place in my heart for the 308. That's what snipers use in the military is a 308. Oh, yeah. Big time. They're super accurate, long range, great bullet, yeah. great gun. So, um, all right. So let's let's get back at this here. Uh, how are those six-hour rifles shoot? I shoot a P229 handgun but never shot a SIG rifle. All, all that I've had... Honestly, I've shot more rifles in the last year and a half or so than I've ever shot as far as Trevor. He's Trevor's been the long range guy in our group, honestly. And um, anyway, and so I've got to go out and shoot long range with him with the rifles and stuff like that. It's been it's been awesome. Uh, the SIG cross stuff that we've shot has been just awesome. And um, anyway, I, I yeah, I can't say enough about it. Our videos and stuff like that. They yeah, it's it's awesome stuff awesome stuff can, can i just read uh one of the comments real quick i would appreciate it if you did i don't know where you're at in the comments but we're about i see 17 down below i'm just gonna show austin big something big a big a oh, austin throat punch says i'm 90 percent sure casey's not wearing pants so just so you know austin today's the first day in 24 days i put pants on wow i'm rolling sweatpants hard right now of course you are hard <laughs> uh trent people are asking about gang bags okay guys <clears throat> so game bags game bags have not i'm not saying they're put on hold but right now we're dealing through material situations and um anyway so a lot of the sew shops that are involved with game bags right now are making masks and it's just it's the biggest question that we get emailed and we uh, we're trying so hard to get them to the public casey were the game bags awesome yeah, from what I saw, like, I'm excited to get my hands on them for sure. I think uh, you guys have something very special. We actually, this yeah, is... you're a, not getting a set. But. Can we talk about the, <laughs> the history of the game bags? I think the last Rosie I shot is what you took measurements off to create the game bag, yeah. correct? So I'm sitting at my desk right now, and I'm looking out in the front yard where we, you were parked, and we pulled those hams and stuff out of the cooler. Remember that? Yeah, we were trying to leave, and you're like, hold on, I got to measure your, your quarters. <laughs> yeah, hold on. So, yeah, the, we are working uh, as much as we can on them, but right now our hands are kind of tied as far as sew shops and stuff like that, guys. But we are definitely, definitely uh, working on that as we speak. So, um, all right, go for the next question. It's your shot. Steve, Steve, I haven't yeah. heard from you in a while. I don't have any. Do you have, you a have any game bags? Oh, do I have a question? Yeah. No, read the question. How much Bud Light I have you had? I can't see the questions. Steve's, Steve's on his phone, so it's a little uh, different. I'll read, I'll read one. Oh, so this is one Troy definitely wanted to street. This okay. is from Galen Bender. I'm hopefully headed to Montana this fall for a combo rifle tag. I still need a good sleeping bag. I'm a bigger guy at 5'11". I wouldn't say that's bigger. 260 pounds. What bag would you guys recommend that doesn't break the bank? 
Trent, this could be a question for you or Steve. Oh, man, I, I, I get a lot of this on email, too, as far as questions. And and honestly, I will say, uh, Galen, you it's it's a huge concern as far as if you're not comfortable on your hunt, if you're not sleeping right, you're going to it's going to change the whole whole hunt for you. So you need to get this figured out as far as that goes. And the one that there's a few different things that. I will recommend like as far as like you can save money on these certain things, but you should actually spend the money on some things and a sleeping bag and comfortable sleeping pad is one of the things that you need to spend money on. Especially and, if you are sleeping on the ground. Yes. You definitely exactly. want a good pad. Exactly. Because if you're cold, if you're, if you're, you know, yeah, if you're cold and uncomfortable, you're going to quit hunting before the next guy that goes, man, I had a great night of sleep. Right. So yeah. So anyway, so go ahead, Steve. Bag wise, you know, I mean, some of the newer bags now, the newer downs, those, and is he, was Casey, was that a Montana rifle hunt? Um, Let me see. He just said Montana this fall. Oh, no, combo rifle tag. So yeah, later. That's going to be cold, cold, cold. It's going to be cold. You know, Trent and I were in Montana that one year when it was, what, eight, 10 degrees for three days. Yeah. And, you know, you can get a nice down 20 degree bag. You know, when we were there, I was running a 20 degree down with a 15 degree liner. And, you know, that 20 degree down was, you're going to be spending between 250, you know, around 250 bucks or 300 for a decent, good down, lower temperature bag. You know, they get higher. Some of those zero degree downs are 500, but for a good down bag it's gonna be you're spending over 200 dollars so i stay comfortable so i'm running the chilkoot uh by stone glacier is what i what i wear or wear i don't know if that's even a real thing but um yeah that's what i'm using now as far as that goes and anyway just because of the mass so i'm a i my shoulders are pretty wide and so I'm not a big mummy bag fam at all, but they don't make a square bag that's like for us bigger guys. So my recommendation would be, hopefully I'm going to make one here shortly, but if I don't, the Chilkoot is the best thing that I think. Did you just open up a giant can of worms? I'm, I hey, think you man, did. <laughs> hey, Are you yeah. going to be making one soon? Look for it within the next six or seven days. <laughs> So, all right, let's go to the next one. Case? You want me to read it? Ian Lamb says, Steve's being too quiet. Question for him. How do you find bears on the coast? Glass and wait or glass and move on? They all look the same. Um, I would say glass and cover a lot of ground. A lot of ground, a lot of glassing. I mean, not so much sitting in one spot, but, and, you know, depending on how much time you have to hunt – if say you've only got like three days, I would say cover a lot of ground because this spring so far, Trent and I went out and we saw an area that's had a lot of bears. There's a lot of bear scat on these two yeah. little roads and we've only saw one little bear in there, but you know, you could, if you had a short amount of time, you could in three days, you might not see what you want to see over that short amount of time. So I would say cover a lot of ground if you don't have a lot of time to hunt, but if you got a lot of time, you could keep going back to those same spots. So how, how long would you typically sit in one spot in glass before you move? Um, so say it's an evening hunt, not very long. 
I'm covering. So in an area where there's a lot of units, I'm bouncing from unit to unit to unit, and then possibly coming back through those units over, say, from like 530 in the evening till eight o'clock. Say it gets dark at eight. So you I'm actually glass, back. glass a unit, move to the next unit, move to the next unit, and then you'll go back to the unit that you glass yeah. first. I'll okay. Work, yeah. Work like say work out a ridge on units and then come back on that same. Come ridge. back. Yeah, bears are funny, especially in your guys' country. Like people think that, you know, a big giant black bear, you can see it like walking around the hillside because nothing's in nature is pure black. But bears are not that big. Right. And they could be easily behind be behind a stump or be behind a tree eating, yep. you know, moths or whatever they're eating. And, you know, 10 minutes later, he might pop out and be like, oh, man, where did that bear come from? That's yeah. my experiences anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I've uh, one of my big ones I got a couple of years ago. I literally glassed the ridge line, walked around probably 700 yards. And when I look back, he was coming out. So he yeah. wasn't there three, four, five minutes earlier. And I came over, looked up from a different angle, and here he comes walking out of the timber. So, I mean, they, anytime they can pop out of anywhere. Yeah. Sweet. 100%. 100%. Uh, Richard Staten says, Trent, by the way, Joe is innocent. As an Oklahoma resident, I can confirm. <laughs> Duh. Of course he is. Duh. Yes. <laughs> Your mule deer hunt was on point. Are you going to bring us more rifle hunts? Love to see it. Yeah. Um, I honestly, Richard, I love to do, love to do rifle hunts. It's actually something that I'm liking to get back into. It was cool that Trevor and Cody got out and did a rifle hunt this last year. It was really, really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I want to kind of be well-rounded. I don't, I would like to get back into muzzleloader hunting too. I've done a few of those. It's super, super fun. And there's some awesome tags that you can draw with the muzzleloader. So anyway, a lot of that stuff. Yeah. We're not going to change from our regular bow pattern, you know, our bow hunting and stuff like that, but we're trying to just kind of just be well-rounded and, and get back into some stuff that, uh, that we grew up on. So absolutely. Absolutely. This is a good question. Go ahead. Is this from the same guy? Jeffrey twist? I don't think so. Um, he wrote, what do you carry as your self-defense gun for a grizzly country when bow hunting? Answer that one. You've hunted Wyoming last few years, Trent. Steve. Yeah. Yeah, we've hunted we've hunted grizzly country a couple different times, and I've hunted brown naive. bear country. Yeah, we're pretty naive. We we don't carry much. I would no, my honest. stuff's in my pack. I don't have anything. Bears yeah. in the pack, pistols in the pack. <laughs> we're looking to do a. Um, actually, we're working with Sig right now to possibly do a backcountry pistol. So it would be something that we're working on right now. Get ready for that to come out. Uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. But um, they make bear spray every day. Apparently, bear spray is good too. I, you know, it's one of those things where I've hunted a couple different units where there's grizzly bears, and maybe here coming up, case uh, one of these days, one of these days, bro, one of these days. You're opening up so many country. cans of worms. Dude. So many cans. <laughs> but uh, we yeah. went and hunted. We went and hunted Montana two years ago. You guys weren't there, but it was uh, me, Brian, Logan, and then. Cody and Trevor and we're hunting in Montana and there's just grizzly, grizzly bears in Montana. Right. And where we were hunting at first, uh, didn't have a lot of grizzly bears per se, but, um, they're everywhere, just like Northern Idaho and where I've hunted, where I grew up elk hunting. I've had some run-ins with grizzlies. I'm not 
terrified of them, but I'm definitely like aware of them. And so I always pack bear spray or pack a pistol, but mostly I pack bear spray. Cody and Trevor were over the bear spray. They're like, stuff's stupid. We're not going to pack it. They packed it for a few days and they're just like, this is weight to our pack, especially Cody, right? He's an ounce. <laughs> and so we hunted for like four or five days, killed two bulls. And then we had to move to another area because of weather. Now the second area we were going to was definitely like heavily populated with grizzly bears. We all packed bear spray. Cody shot a bull, didn't have any concern about grizzlies, got it packed out. The next morning, I was like, you know what? I've never deployed my bear spray. I want to see what this bear spray is all about. Like, you know, yeah. when you hear about it and you like, you hear recommendations, like when to shoot it. So we were just at camp. We loaded up camp in the trucks and we we're getting ready to head home. And I was like, I'm going to deploy this stuff and just see. And I was blown away by like what, what that can of bear spray lacked. It was sad. So really? what I came, yeah, what I came back with, <laughs> what we all did was. What we all did. <laughs> so if a grizzly bear is a, like charging you, right. And say, they say sure. to deploy, deploy the bear spray at 20 yards and then you want to fog them, right. Like fog it, like make a Let big area. Let it rip. I sprayed that at a tree and it was very, uh, un, uh like it was, it was not cool. So <laughs> what I came back with was if a bear was charging you and you listened to the, the instructions and you deployed that bear spray at 20 yards, that bear, because when you think about a grizzly bear, you're thinking like, I don't want that grizzly bear to get within like five feet of me. I don't want yeah. him to touch me. No. If you deploy that bear spray at 20 yards and that bear is running 30 miles an hour, because that's what a grizzly bear can run. You're done. That bear is going to hit you. He's yeah. going to take you out. He's going <laughs> to bite on you a few times before he realizes what that pepper spray in his nose is bad. He might get off you, but that it's not going to stop confrontation. In my opinion, if you deploy that bear spray, when they tell you to, that bear is going to hit you and he's going to take you down. But hopefully he doesn't have time to like completely chew your face off and maybe just bite you a few times and then leave. I'm not down with that. I, you know, and they say like, and I agree, like I'm terrible with a pistol. I shoot a pistol quite a bit, like practice with it and stuff, but I'm not good. I'm not like sufficient with it. So, but I would rather take my chances with a pistol shooting really? a bear and hopefully getting a good shot just you know out of my butt like hit him in the face and he dies or hit him in the skull and he dies bear spray in my opinion is like you're you're gonna get hit you're gonna get attacked and hopefully he leaves you my opinion my opinion in my, in my you know what i would pack around if i could a sawed off shotgun oh boy here we go no logan actually found one when we were headed to montana logan's terrified of grizzlies too he found a shotgun that you can load up that shoots um three slugs and then it's a and then the fourth well, one is a flamethrower because... <laughs> yeah <laughs> logie definitely should have been on tonight <laughs> he just texted me actually logie said uh of course he did you guys are on for a while longer i'll be able to hop on we just got done with family time of course he did i'm gonna tell him to hop on Tell him to hop on anytime he can. I don't know how long we got you for or whatnot. Let's uh, let's field some more questions. Um, uh, okay. Hold on real quick. Mike Olson, yes. Send me my drift boat, please. My Willie drift boat now. Okay. <laughs> my, my, Mike asked if I'm ready for my Willie drift boat. Yes, Mike, uh, I am. Send yeah. it to me. 
Yeah, send it to him. We've been talking about that. I just talked to Mike today. It was 81 degrees today in Medford. Dude, it was wow. 77 here in Pocatello. I was blown was away. It? Was yeah. it? Yeah. We should nuts. be out trout fishing right now in our Willie's Drift boat. Easy. In a Willie's Drift boat. <laughs> Big plug. Plug yeah. him. Yeah. Check's going to get sent in the mail. I just want a drift boat. I just want a drift boat. <laughs> bad. Just bad. Um, someone asked, where was it, uh, as far as the calls go, uh, man, I go through these and it's just like, yeah, that's my bad. Anyway, it, it, the, the question was, and I'm, I'm apologizing for whoever sent the question that I don't have your name out there, but if you buy some of the bro pack, um, can, can I have a call that works for me? Uh, I get this question a lot on email and we get a lot at sports shows and stuff like that. Our calls are very, very different. Each one is a little bit different. And um, as far as stretch and latex and um, but I will say one of the three calls will definitely, you will be able to get some sound out of and, or not all three of them. A lot of people can just blow all three of them really, really well. What comes, tell me what comes in a bro um, call pack. Just the three, just the three, the, just the three calls that we Black, have. Black, yellow, blue? Yeah, yeah. And uh, each of us can blow one better than the other, honestly. And so we thought we'd offer all of those. And um, I will say, yeah, someone, you can blow. I'm not guaranteeing, but I'm guaranteeing you can blow one of the three and make good out sounds out of it. Case? I would recommend, yeah, I would say um, I've used all three of them and I can make them all work. Um, I don't want to pick favorites. But can, if you have can I to pick a favorite, yeah, if it's not, if can it's I not put them in order? Yeah, please. This is like for me, everyone's different, everyone's mouth's different. Um, for me, though, black, I can blow it the best, Horrible. yellow, and then blue. Okay, I'll take, second. I'll take second place. Yeah, your, is, is yours the yellow? I, yeah, I developed the yellow call. Trevor's is the black, and Cody's is the blue. Steve could not black, then yellow. He Steve's a black guy. Black and yellow. Yep. That's goodness gracious. Just why like Wiz Khalifa, black and yellow, man. Why am I why am I second place? Dude, th right. there's been times like to be honest though, Trent, like I've been showing my kids how to use the calls. They can't blow any of them, but they can make some noise out of the yellow one. <laughs> Boom. Yes. So if you maybe if you're like a super <laughs> beginner like Trent, the yellow is <laughs> the best. All right. All right. Let's bump the brakes. Let's 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 uh, uh, Trent, uh, Ian Lamb, Steve's been too quiet. Uh, Trent, who are the guys behind you? I got this picture sent uh, from a couple Marines that sent it to me. Uh, this was probably last year. So, oh, dang, that's awesome! I didn't see yeah. the DVD. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So, can I, just I, say those guys look like complete badasses. Yeah, yeah, you can't say it. It's a statement. Yeah, it's it's, a statement. Yeah. Dude, those guys. Uh, thank you for protecting our country. Yeah. yeah, anything that has to do with uh, military and stuff like that, I hold pretty pretty darn high. So that's way cool. Yeah, so pretty awesome, and uh, we get a lot of emails and stuff like that. Like you know, our videos are getting people through this or through that in the in the military and stuff. It's 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 pretty it's pretty humbling. I will definitely say so. Uh, Seth Hamill, what is your guys' strategies when it comes to blacktail hunting? Honestly, man, it's the same almost as bear hunting as we glass, glass, glass. It's it's the different it's the different um, 
we do a lot of rifle blacktail hunting. I guess I wasn't, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm talking to rifle blacktail hunters. So yeah. I would say uh, our archery side was when we used to archery hunt, we just covered ground. Covered ground. Yeah. But still we use glass cause we, we did hunt. too. Yeah. It was a little bit different than rifle rifles. Like if you're in a good area, you definitely sit and just pick yeah. units apart. A lot of time behind the glass. Just glass, glass it up. Um, oh, here's a good one. Todd McClary, what's your opinion on the wolf population and wolf control? Steve? In Oregon? I guess in anywhere. That, oh, I know in Oregon, it's horrible. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> that's out of the bag. So I can speak to this a little bit. Um, Idaho was like one of the first states to like be affected when they introduced wolves back in the 90s obviously because they, they introduced them in the uh yellowstone ecosystem which is that's kind of where i used to hunt is up by yellowstone up in island park and dude they devastated the elk and then you know it's been 10 years and then they opened the season up for them and um wolves did a lot of damage to the elk populations but more like but more so, which I shouldn't say more so, but also wolves changed a lot of uh, the way elk reacted to certain things, right? So we used to go up to Island Park and call, 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 and man, you could hear elk bugling all, the, all day long. In any canyon you'd go to, you'd hear elk bugling. And then the wolves came and it really shut that down. They stopped bugling as much. They stopped calling as much. Um, they really changed their habits. But uh, Idaho actually just, and it's gotten better now that, that we've hunted them and wolves know that, you know, they're not the like top dog on the, on the, uh, the, the list anymore, but um, Idaho just changed it and really opened up the season. So before there was certain seasons for every zone, you could hunt for a certain amount of time. And there was maybe like, um, what's it called when you can only shoot so many, there was a. Uh, like quota. A quota there was a quota in all these units and some units and you know you couldn't you couldn't take more than like 15 wolves in this unit in in the calendar year idaho just opened it up and like you can basically hunt wolves for you know like 10 months out of the year now and there's very little quotas now which i think is important because even though we started hunting them years ago we're never going to take them out like our forefathers were answers did every used every means possible to take out the wolves back in the day because you know they were killing their livestock. They were killing the game herds. And then we bring them back. And, you know, I would say that hunters are more sophisticated they, now than they were then. They have long-range guns. They have, you know, spotting scopes and stuff like that. But it doesn't matter. We're still not going to take – we're never going to, like, diminish the wolves. The wolves will always no. be there. Sure. And so after we started hunting them, you know, the first couple of years we started hunting wolves, people were killing wolves. And people still kill wolves now. But, like, they got smart. Wolves are very smart animals. Yeah, and so yeah. they got wise to the calls. They got wise to certain things. So I know just opened it up and like, you can literally hunt wolves for at least 10 months out of the year now, which I think is important. Like let them know where they stand. Well, yeah, my no. fear for Oregon is what you guys dealt with in Idaho years, you know, before you guys were allowed to hunt them as much, you can't hunt them in Oregon. So if yeah, they yeah. start to grow in population, what are they going to do to our elk? I mean, they're just going to, you know, they could diminish the elk herds. In well, no time will. at all. That's kind of what my fear is over here. No, I would agree. And I just wonder, like, with our topography and our close quarters, you know, as far as just, like, rainforest 
is that going to help them a boatload? Like, you know, it's not this open plain stuff and wide open stuff. I, I have no idea. I, I don't know if, if that's a benefit for wolves or, or not. I've, I think it's a huge benefit for wolves. Like I would wolves say are hard, be, wolves are hard to call in. And, and especially in your country, you can't see, you no. know, like two times I've seen wolves. I've seen them at over a thousand yards and I was glassing it in the elk herd and wolves were like working in on them. Like, where you guys are at, like, it's going to be tough to kill wolves in there. Like the trappers, hopefully will will get, get a finger yeah. on it and they can, they can take out some of the wolves, but like to kill a wolf and like where we hunt Roosevelt's with you guys, it's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. We, you know, we have a, the road pack. That's not that far from no. yeah. where we live. And if they ever got over here, that's the fear that it would really, if you got wolves on the coast, if, if you guys get wolves on the coast, it's going to be very tough to uh, keep them managed. I, in my opinion. No, I would agree. Um, all right. Gwen Penn, Pina, Pina, Pina. Yep. Okay. Will you guys put, uh, when will you guys put the silicone cups on the website? Been dying to buy one ever since Salt Lake Expo. Uh, soon. Yeah. So we're going to have those on. And um, anyway, it's going to be, so right now on our website, we're doing the uh, no kid hungry 10% off um on our everything everything bought on our website and we just appreciate everybody that's been supporting us as well as you know i mean everybody says well yeah you know you guys are doing this for a sales ploy just to get people to but at the same time to put out free content and maybe casey you can you can kind of address this too it's it, it's it's a lot we have a lot of families that that you know are provided by our our apparel and and our views on youtube as well so well, uh, we inform me real quick. What's the uh, no kid hungry thing? I didn't, I didn't know about it. Yeah. So we're, we're giving 10% of every single sale and through this whole coronavirus, we're doing 10% to no kid hungry. And, and it's been a big thing with all my kids that are, uh, are in school right now. I mean, their lunches and stuff like that. You don't think about that. You think, Oh yeah, my kids are in school. You know, this is, this is what it is, but you know what? The lunches are all provided all the, you know, and kids get that every day, but there's a lot of kids out there that their families, that's their, that's their lunch for all their kids. And, um, it's just, it's super important, I think. And, um, anyway, and so I that's just, what you guys were doing is like 10% of all your sales on your site was going to that organization. Correct. correct yeah. yeah. It's freaking amazing. man. I didn't, I didn't even know about it. And like, yeah. we, I've thought about it here, but like when they closed schools down, I didn't think about like kids going hungry because, you know, my kids have lunch money or whatever, but like, that was a big ordeal here. And, that's um, Luckily, they opened up a thing that you can go and get your kids lunch still every day yeah. and uh, feed them. But like, I didn't know you guys were doing it. I think it's amazing. And yeah, it's, people are going to give you a hard time about, oh, it's a sales ploy. But yeah. literally, guys, like when we sell merchandise, it's all uh, like markup. So like we buy merchandise for a certain amount of money and then we advertise it and then we sell it and we get X amount of money. If Born and Raised is giving 10% of that up, like, that's not a sales ploy. That's them trying to do good things for people that are in need. That's amazing. Like good yeah. on you guys. I didn't know you yeah. guys were doing that. Yeah. Appreciate it for following us, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't even know who you are. Do well, you guys have a guys, channel? <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah, we do. It's a startup channel. Um, actually, uh, I have a GoFundMe account in the bottom, bottom right corner. If you could check that out. Really. <laughs> No, so 
anyway, but uh, anyway, we're over an hour into this, guys. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm just, uh, we're gonna finish with that, and I just want to thank everybody for joining us. It was awesome. I don't want to take up too much of your time because you're on a different, you're, you're an hour ahead of us. So, Case, I really appreciate it, man. No, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, let's do it again soon. It feels like I'm actually hanging out with my buddies again, which hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah. Which is funny. Like you don't think about it. Like you don't yeah. think about like personal like contact or like, you know, socializing with, with your bros, you know, over phone calls or texts. You don't think about that, but like see your guys' face. It's like we're sitting around a campfire hanging out, talking like we always do. And yeah. uh, it's been fun, man. Appreciate you guys awesome. having me. Hey, let's do it again soon. I appreciate you coming on, brother. No, thank you guys. Thanks for everyone that was watching as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your guys' questions. And every single um, every single Thursday at 6 or 7, depending on the guests that we have come on, if they're more back east, we're going to do it sooner. Um, but if it's um, if it's regular time, we're going to do it at 7. So anywhere in between there, and we're going to, you know, we'll tell you guys exactly what it's going to be. So thank you guys so much. Steve, as always. It's been awesome. Yep. Oh, here he is. <laughs> okay. We're just shutting off. <laughs>